Warm uh, collisions beyond the echo. Welcome to Mr. G- Gabe Zagletti calling in from, uh, we're having a chat from Toronto. Uh, Gabe, you and I met oh, probably a couple months ago now. We've been working to get this thing going. You are uh, introduced to me as CEO and portfolio manager at Vela Software International, which is an operating group of Constellation Software. So that's a big mouthful. So maybe I'll turn it over to you and you can uh, fill in the blanks for us a little bit. Okay. Good morning. Um, yeah. So I work, I work in a this is my fourth chapter in my in my working career, and um, maybe I could just introduce that a little bit of background, uh, how I got here, and how we're, we're talking today. Um, so, what I like to do is maybe tie it to Calgary. And um, so, my background is I'm an electrical engineer. I, I started in automation control, working for a company called Honeywell, and uh, always based in in Toronto. Um, did quite well with that business. I was a product manager, and um, what what that involved was some pretty leading edge global um, global leading edge projects with with the, the oil companies in, in Alberta. So with Syncrude, with Essoco uh, Lake, with uh, Shell Peace River, those those major projects. Um, I was a product manager responsible for kind of leading edge technology. Uh, at one point, Syncrude had the largest control system in the world, and interfacing between those customers and uh, the development groups in uh, Phoenix, Arizona for Honeywell. And that's how I started my career. I got to know quite a few people in Calgary, and that ties back to uh, where we are today. Um, eventually, I ended up in Phoenix, uh, running the International Projects Group for that uh, for that company. Um, came back to Canada um, in the late 90s to work for a publicly listed company in instrumentation, uh, which was acquired. So I've been involved in, in being, a, being bought by, uh, uh, in that case, it was Miltronics in, in Ontario, bought by Siemens uh, AG in Germany. And then um, my roots go back to Calgary. Um, at that point, um, I left that business and joined a service business called Colt Engineering, which was based in Calgary. And um, spent a quite a long uh, tenure with them. Uh, I knew Larry Benke, who was the CEO of that business quite well from my Honeywell days. We did joint ventures together. Um, so that was an interesting, it was a, a partnership, uh, mostly people in Edmonton, Calgary. At one point, we had the most engineers in Alberta, um, professional engineers so in any company in Alberta. Uh, very, uh, very good business. It uh, focused primarily on oil and gas. It uh, uh, in, in the oil sands, it did the uh, you know the front end of the of the process, the fraud treatment, and and they were big in gas plants and uh, pipelines. So I ran kind of the eastern operations for them, um, which was mostly downstream um, in refining, uh, engineering. So that business uh, grew quite substantially, and um, eventually we were going to do an IPO. Um, in that process, we ended up uh, doing a, uh, we sold the business to Worley, Worley Parsons in Australia, um, which is a big employer in, in Calgary. And um, I, I stayed on. Um, I was one of the associate partners, so I was quite involved in that, that transaction. It was quite interesting. And then part of that, um, what I did was um, there was identify synergies with the, uh, with the transaction, and I kind of led a couple of them from the east, and one of them was to start up a nuclear business in Ontario, and uh, started as the employee number one in a new kind of space. Um, when I left them in uh, 
2016, there was 200 people doing nuclear work for OPG and Bruce Power. So uh, I've always had kind of a bent towards um, entrepreneurial type activities uh, throughout my career. So that was kind of the third chapter with, with Colt Engineering and Rudy Parsons. And then as part of that, I also did uh, M&A work and I bought two service businesses for Rudy Parsons, one in Vancouver, one in Fredericton. Um, and I, I kind of liked that and it was quite interesting. So if you recall back then, the, that was the last time the price of oil crashed. Um, kind of, we all kind of said, okay, well, that was interesting. I'm going to go do something different. I met Mark Leonard. Um, Mark Leonard is the founder of Constellation Software. And uh, occasionally he'll hire um, sort of industry knowledgeable, um, let's say seasoned individuals that, um, that help, let's say, deploy capital into new areas that they're not familiar with. And uh, that was kind of the basis for me joining Constellation. And my, my area of expertise is obviously uh, going to resource and energy markets, um, both through uh, the automation control, the, the engineering with, with uh, uh, Willie Parsons. Um, so um, that was uh, how I started. Uh, it's been four and a half years. Uh, started with a sheet of blank paper. <laughs> and uh, in the last four years, I've acquired 10 Ten companies. So, when you, so when you came so in, the 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 Vela Software International was that was that already operating, or did you was that part of your was that part of the was that the top line on your blank sheet of paper? Yeah. So the Vela is um, Vela, as we say it sometimes, is a is a Southern Hemisphere constellation. It uh, has a basically four or five portfolios in it, like like mine. Okay, um, all in different areas. Uh, mine is specific to. You know, I guess what's interested in Calgary, um, you know, oil and gas and energy. Um, others do uh, retail, um, mostly in Australia. Um, there's another one that's kind of public housing, uh, big business in Croatia. Another one that does ERP systems for glass manufacturers. So the, so it's quite different. And all, um, all software based, like that. That's the consistency. It's all pure software businesses, okay. and. Um, and that's our model. So, I mean, the Constellation model is that we acquire businesses, um, we um, keep them. So that's what's a little bit unique uh, about our model is that we never sell them. And so as I acquire these these businesses, they become a portfolio that I have to operate as well. Okay. So I've, I've gone from, from, you know, from scratch to a, you know, a pretty big business now. We're almost 300 people in, in about seven countries. Across 10 um, specifically unique businesses. Yes. And and so the area of interest, I would, you know, I kind of applied what I knew from my previous chapters, I guess. And um, so I have businesses that are focused on kind of in, uh, energy production, um, software, so, energy, you know, reservoir economics, um, those kind of tools. Um, another business is around engineering design uh, in the U.S. Um, and then um, a few businesses around project information management. So, you know, in Alberta, um, some of the largest projects in the world were being, you know, in, in the last decade, they were, it was quite, it was quite bullish. <laughs> there was a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, I remember seeing these curves where there was <laughs> $35 billion worth of capital projects and, you know, and Fort McMurray going down and, you know, the software necessary to manage documentation and project management um, has always been an interest because of that. And uh, so 
um, in this new role, I've actually acquired a couple of businesses in that space. Out, yeah. out of the out of the ten that so, are in your portfolio, how many of them are in Alberta? Two right now. So, I mean, Constellation has um, uh, two are headquartered. Let, I'll say it this way: two are headquartered in, in Calgary. Okay. Um, of my portfolio, we have four that do business in Alberta. Oh, okay, okay. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple others, and then Constellation has three others that are headquartered in in Calgary. Okay. So, I mean, it's an interesting um, model. It's completely decentralized. Um, we, as, as part of the model, we we don't um, advocate for the the, the corporate um, entity Constellation software. Uh-huh. Um, we don't advertise. We don't brand it. We don't. It's and therefore most people have never heard of it. <laughs> so, Which and, I imagine and can be a little really, bit of a challenge when you ring up on the phone and say I'm interested in talking to you about your business, and and they're like, sorry, who are you, who are you again? I can imagine that happens from time to time. <laughs> That's right. You know, and often uh, the conversation requires a little bit of a tutorial on who we are. And um, having said that, it's uh, it's probably one of the most successful um, technology businesses in Canada. Probably one of the most successful in the world. Has a very interesting you know business model. It seems to work. It's growing quite rapidly and very successful. I really appreciate from the M and A perspective the 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 buy and hold versus the buy it, build it up, sell it. Like the story, I get the story that you hear more often, probably because it's more transactional. So you do hear about it more often. So I'm assuming when you guys look at the criteria of a type of business that you're attracted to, it's going to have a little maybe a potentially different profile because you're this isn't a buy and flip. That's a buy and hold. So you guys are clearly in it for a much longer longer horizon. Yeah. So. Um, and that kind of ties to, you know, the, the conversation today. I mean, what, you know, what I'm hoping to get out of this, this conversation is, you know, um, people in Calgary, uh, business owners in Calgary that, you know, are looking for what to do with their business, um, explain maybe an, an option that they are not aware of. And, um, so from, from our perspective, you know, we, we look at um, software businesses in a very, uh, we do a lot of transactions, so we're quite knowledgeable um, about the businesses. We focus only on one type of software business. We call it a vertical market software business or VMS business. And what that means is it is um, very much a specific application for a very specific market. So, so a niche software business is another way of saying it, not a platform business. Um, so the, I mean, I guess the unicorns in technology are the platform I business. Was, I was just going to say that the differentiator make- <laughs> there is that it's very, the, the, yeah. that's big, the big so, scale and a very different model. Yeah, you know, they're going after total market, available market share, you know, in big markets, where, whereas we, we, specialize i guess in in um these these other types of businesses and what's that's common characteristic about those small businesses is that they're small they tend not to be very large when you say um, small what are we talking um, like when you think are you thinking top line are we like 5 million 10 million what's what's just to give kind of parameter for people to think about yeah so typically 5 to 10 million would be okay. kind of the the Sweetsman is, is kind of the size. And I mean, we, we've done larger. I mean, we've done much larger, uh, you know, hundreds of millions. But I mean, there are um, the, the traditional um, everyday transactions are in that in that space. And we also buy smaller than that. We buy quite small. But in, in those, we tend to append them to an existing business as opposed to um, making them stand alone. So there's kind of, there's kind of a threshold around 5 million um, where the business is big enough. I mean, the way you look at it is um, a business of that size, 
uh, has a general manager typically and maybe three to four um, leaders, um, one doing the R&D, one doing maybe sales, one support, and one services. And, you know, so the span of control is of that size and typically, um, you know, maybe 10, 10 to 20 employees. And they serve a very specific market. Everyone knows each other, knows their families, knows their kids probably. And there's a very tight relationship with their customers and the customers know them very well. And um, we find those are very attractive businesses to own. And what we then is do then is put uh, our best practices uh, we, we're a very data-centric business where we m- measure everything. So we, we track all of our companies globally and use that information to come up with best practices that we then we uh, disseminate to all the businesses or share with the businesses so that they can improve themselves. And that's the, the model of, of the business. We also, um, the other model is we're decentralized, which means that um, we, we um, the control is, is pushed down to the businesses. So when I acquire these businesses, the, like the ones in Calgary, um, uh, there's a general manager in town and that person is basically autonomous and we measure them on their performance and uh, they benefit from their performance. Um, and it's sort of a closed loop that way. Um, I, I don't run these businesses. The, the people that are in them run them. So. so you're very much looking for a certain set of parameters in the business, but what I'm hearing loud and clear, the team dynamic and how that leadership structure that matches up with that five to 10 million range sounds like another critical, like it has to be a niche business. It has to have X amount. Are these businesses typically older, younger? Like if somebody rapidly went to 5 million over a couple of years, is that more risky? Or you guys are looking for something that has a little bit more track record or it all depends? Yeah, so in this kind of size range, um, you've got different types of businesses. And, and you know, if you're an owner of, of one of these companies, you got a few options and maybe I could just sort of lay them out. So, you know, if you're rapidly growing and you aspire to be much larger, uh, typically um, you're then looking for either venture capital or, or private equity funding, you know, to inject capital into your business to grow. And, and you're willing to sacrifice ownership in that you know, um, some share of the ownership you know, with that uh, exchange of capital. Um, so that, those are, um, I guess, rapidly growing businesses. Um, they tend to be the ones that uh, private equity or, or some of these other um, companies that are or organizations that, you know, buy with the idea of, of keeping it, let it grow for a certain period of time and then flipping it. And they, they tend not to, uh, they tend to leverage the business. Uh, they borrow money to do that, and um, they also tend to come in and um, be pretty specific on how it's managed because it has to meet the goals of how it's growing, etc. So those are typically businesses that we're we're not like we're, our model's not really uh, well suited for that. Um, our model, more more traditional for us, is is a business that's been around for a while. Um, you know, let's say maybe average ten years, maybe even longer. Um, so the owner, um, it could, it, the owner could have um, a need for capital and wants to continue to manage the business and wants to do that, but wants to do it in our framework, our model, uh, and understands that. And that that is uh, something that we do occasionally. Um, so they they sell the business, but they stay, you know, they stay running it and and um, do it under our umbrella. It's a great great way them for to unlock some of their. Some of their basically nest egg, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then the other, the other uh, typical, probably the majority are actually where an owner has, you know, put a blood, sweat, and tears, uh, a lot of, you know, <laughs> into a business for many years, um, looks to um, de-risk, you know, the all that sweat equity that they put into it, um, but wants the business to have a good home, and um, so that's another typical model that we uh, we do quite well at, and often. Um, either they retire or they depart, but they have a succession plan in mind. Um, so we we have found that um, we we tend to seventy five percent of the time take uh, the leadership from within the business is probably the best approach. Um, occasionally, um, I've done that in Calgary. Actually, occasionally we will hire people and put them into a business, but. Uh, um, generally, we we uh, we let the business pick their succession plan, um, so that that's a, a typical model as well. And you know, these businesses they they can be larger. I mean, they can grow to have two layers of management. You know, where you again you have a span of control with so many levels of management. And we think of it that way. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's this idea that everyone in the business and and the, the general manager knows who who the people are. Um, and then some of them, you know, I mean, there's a few businesses in Calgary that have done quite well, um, you know, gone public, uh, CMG is example, and, and, you know, that's, I guess, the ultimate IPO. But the, um, I can think of some other examples where private equity has come in, um, private equity will come in, buy a, like a platform business, and then uh, do a roll up of several smaller acquisitions with the idea that it grows to, a, you know, maybe a double or triple size and then, then sells it. And uh, there's some of that going on in Calgary as well. Is there, do you see with the last five years and, you know, the structural just fundamental changes in the energy sector, is there a lot, is there still like from the outside and that's the view, the balance, the value of someone like yourself who's looking in, but also knows this market. Is there lots of opportunities here when you look at like present state and maybe even the next two to three years, what's your perspective on where we're, where we're headed from opportunity wise? So I would say um, during, let's say 2018, 2019, there was, uh, it was quite uh, frothy in the uh, oil and gas sector. There was this um, unconventional um, boom going on in the U.S. particularly. Um, and, you know, as production ramped up in the United States and, and, and in Western Canada too, you know, B.C. and that, um, there was uh, quite an interest in this concept of, you know, the digital oil field or digitizing the, the oil field. And software businesses, um, you know, in, in, in Houston um, and, and to some extent in Alberta and Calgary, uh, there was a lot of money being poured into it, a lot of acquisition activity, let's say, in 2018 and 2019. And um, it, was, it was quite, uh, quite frothy. And then, of course, <laughs> 2020. Yes, um, 2020 showed up. <laughs> you know, demand dropped uh, significantly, and and uh, um, particularly uh, production also dropped in the United States. You know, so they peaked last year, and uh, now it's it's starting to come down. So what's happening today? Um, there's a lot of consolidation going on. Uh, companies are are buying each other. Um, and you know the others are not in terms of projects and capital spending. That's been basically stopped completely. In, in terms of drilling and, and exploration, that's also kind of come to a halt for now. Um, 
Now, for for software businesses like the ones that uh, you know we're talking about, the ones that I own, um, it's it's um, it's actually been not too bad a year, and that kind of points to you know if 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 you're interested in knowing you know, where Calgary should go, I mean that this is uh, maybe a bit of a learning. So um, in in my case, I have a couple of business in Calgary. One does pr- uh, production economics. Um, Amira, um, it used to be Intero, uh, which sold to private equity, and then I, I purchased it from a private equity oh, okay. firm. Interesting. Uh, and then uh, in Biosoft, which is uh, basically uh, greenhouse gas compliance reporting for the provincial and federal governments. Um, in both cases, they actually grew last year, um, and it's in, in the case of uh, reservoir economics, if you're trying to decide uh, what production you're going to curtail or, or, or how to optimize it, you need software to make those decisions. So it's it, it actually, um, you know, and on the environmental front, well, that's just kind of a new area and that's just going to grow rapidly now as, uh, and this year with, you know, with the change in the U.S., uh, they will finally start to worry about that as well. Um, so that's a quite a growth area for us. Um, we also bought a, we also bought a similar business like that in uh, Stavanger uh, in Norway, and they do so. The Norwegians, um, Norwegians actually lead um, the world in many regards in this kind of oil and gas uh, sort of modern uh, realities, and um, it's interesting. Like. Um, we found it an interesting place to, to buy business. I bought three companies in Norway. Um, the one does um, for offshore uh, production in uh, Norwegian continental shelf, about 30, 35 different customers. Um, does all the, uh, in, in Norway, they have to do a five-year rolling forecast of greenhouse gases, uh, CO2, methane. Um, and they also have um software for um, if you're discharging into the ocean, you know, what chemicals and stuff can be uh, legally discharged into the ocean and things like that. So you made a comment earlier um, about the digitization of the oil field, which I've had a lot of guests on talking about, hey, sometimes the oil the oil and gas sector, the energy sector gets a bad rap for not being innovative. But they're like, hey, when you work in it, there's a ton of innovation. But when you talk about countries like Norway or different parts of the world, are those places where we can look a little bit as a roadmap to say, hey, you see what they're doing over there? Like, they're ahead. So let's, I guess I'm always just curious as you know, energy demand is still there, even though it's reduced. That need for efficiency, as well as the environmental case, to be made for just doing that better, is that a trend that we can still look to see in Alberta compared to other parts of the world? In your mind? Yeah, I think um, definitely. Um, I like to, uh, I like to talk a little bit about Norway because it is quite a unique, uh, it's a small place. It's about the size of Alberta, actually, in terms of population, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a bit bigger. And, um, and and like like Alberta, it has kind of all the international oil companies playing in the space, you know, in some form or, fa- you know, some fashion. It's different than Alberta, though, um, and Texas, I would say, in that, because it's Norway and so far away, um, there is this, this kind of... Um, I haven't seen it anywhere else in the world. There's a lot of collaboration between the oil companies oh, interesting. Um, okay. to address to address issues like greenhouse gas. So, like you know, um, there's several examples where they have uh, common 
um, depositories of data that they share, uh, mutually share for like vendor data, for greenhouse chemicals and all these different kind of uh, ideas, which ha interestingly haven't, hasn't really been replicated anywhere else. And, and then you move to North America, um, you know, and, and um, I was once uh, once involved in um, this, this company in Waterloo that uh, the name is Priva. They do game theory um, strategy planning, and they uh, Deloitte once did a uh, I think this is about 2015 2014 did a, a game theory analysis of at that time uh, if you recall uh, there was way more uh, projects than uh, capacity both in construction and engineering in Alberta to deliver them and you know the the game theory was where is this going to take it I, I use the same principle for the uh, nuclear industry in Ontario and where it was going um, and and the characteristic of the of the customers there was that they they, they wanted to participate but they didn't want to do jointly or together in the same room yes I've I've, yeah. I've heard that story around pipeline safety around environment where nobody wants to share their and, data whereas where the learning actually happens because these are joint problems I think in Norway you're so close to the north north pole that everyone just bands together in, in this <laughs> well, kind of a nice place well, and <laughs> a different culture drives a whole different outcome for sure absolutely yeah and certainly in the U.S., I would think it's different as well, you know, and, and it's quite competitive down there. Mm -hmm. And, and and you know, so um, can we learn from that? I think we can. Um, uh, you know, I think um, particularly in, in, in sharing um, best practices around, you know, common uh, global issues like greenhouse gas emissions and methane emissions and those kind of things that uh, industries need to start banding together a little bit with all the constant um, the, the, the consolidation that's happening in alberta are you are more people talking to each other than they were before maybe because they don't they didn't have a choice like necessity sometimes the is, is a driver of change is is that a little bit what you're seeing even where there is getting some of that or is it just because they have no choice <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i really can't comment too much on that because it's it's hard to see you know i mean in 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 the previous uh, in the previous world, we would go and talk to customers and stuff and find out what's going on. You just on. have a conversation. It's it's it's, it's kind of yeah. It, it's hard to do that on a Zoom call and say, "Well, are you guys talking?" Yes. <laughs> um, so it, it's I, I think people are. It's in such a shock state right now that uh, I would say no. Uh, people probably aren't talking too much to each other other than transactional, uh, you know. Uh, video calls which is not which is not the same doing. as having a having a glass of wine yeah, and just having a chat right so when you yeah. look around the world because obviously your opportunities are are wherever they might be how much does the um regulatory government how much does that play into your decisions of how friendly or not a certain government is towards a certain industry whether you choose to participate in that market like again i know nothing about norway using that as a comparison of how yeah. the role their government plays in regulation or you know removing barriers for companies so, so maybe I can bring it back to like you know what what we, what we find as um, let's say an attractive software company, and it's kind of independent of geography. Um, so, so if if you are let's say um, uh, an owner and and you do maybe ultimately wish to sell your business, you know we often have conversations on you know what. What do you need to do to make your business more valuable or more attractive to potential buyers like myself? And um, one of the things that you know you bring up is quite um, 
it's all around having um, software that's, you know, the term sticky, sticky software that, you know, once you've got it into a customer, it's, it's hard for them to change. Um, one, one of the things that we find to be very attractive is around anything to do with compliance or regulatory reporting or, or things where the regulations change on a frequent basis, which has actually happened in, in Canada in the last uh, 18 months around the uh, as each government uh, changed in various jurisdictions, uh, they changed the rules and and. and well, in the ESG <laughs> world, it's like literally almost monthly or quarterly. There's some parameter that's changing, from what I've been told, and and we've yet to reach a standardized like this is an acceptable way of reporting our data. Yeah, so that 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 is uh, usually a good thing, and we it also applies to um, engineering design, for instance, where you have. Uh, um, codes and, and, and regulations around design of, let's say, pressure vessels or, or, or heat exchangers or whatever, and and uh, typically those things are you know um, set for safety reasons and change on a you know, sometimes on a pretty frequent basis every couple of years, and therefore you have to renew your software, and that that's a makes it more attractive. Um, from our perspective, other things like. Um, what percentage of your software's recurring revenue? Uh, that has to be um, an important aspect. Um, and then, you know, your market reach. So this is, if you look at the businesses in Calgary, um, obviously the, you know, the, the nature of their customers is the same as, let's say, Texas or in the U.S. Um, and um, some, some companies, not not a lot, but there's a few that have actually made that transition, and and they're getting customers on both sides of the border. But it's a big, it's a big step, and um, there's probably a class. There's there's quite a few businesses like in in this space and in, in in Calgary. Like we we see like uh, about 300 actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to know that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to guess the number. <laughs> and we we track it that way, and, and but it it's it's relatively small because it's like it's ten times that in Ontario and and. Uh, and 10 times that in Texas too. So it's a small business. So for one of these small companies to go after, let's say, um, customers in the U.S., um, I've jokingly referred to it as, you know, bringing a hockey stick to a gunfight. You know, people down there have guns. Um, very, it's a very competitive. <laughs> that, very, that works on so many levels. <laughs> it's, it's a very competitive market, big market, you know, with tough competition. And... Uh, um, pretty intimidating for you know businesses in Alberta to, to go down there. And um, but having said that, I mean there are good examples of companies have done it, made that transition, and obviously that makes them more valuable if they can they can play in both spaces. I'm, um, in, of the two businesses I have, one is uh, is pure Canadian based at this point. But I mean one way you can make that transition is um, you pick the right customer that has operations in the U.S. and then use that to kind of move into your market. Um, uh, the other uh, business I have uh, is uh, actually um, very much focused on the U.S. and winning in competitive uh, situations customers in the U.S. And so, how, how do you do that, or what you know, what is um, what do you have? So you you have to have if everything's equal, you'll probably lose to the American. Um, so, so, I was going to ask, what, you know, what, what value proposition do you have to have? Because are you already at a disadvantage because you're Canadian? Like just by absolutely. showing up with, and, with your and, hockey stick? I think that's that's my that's my mental picture of that. Of, of course, I mean it's it, you know it's true anywhere in the world, really. Um, you know, if you're out of town, you're at a disadvantage. So you know, there has to be some aspect of the software that is uh, superior, and 
you know, um, whether it's it's the technology or whether it's your support of the technology or your knowledge of the of, of the application, you know, those are the things that uh, sway the customer. Even though, you know, um, and you know, being you know, there, there's cowboys in both places, <laughs> but you know, there is this definite, uh, you know, um, local is better concept anywhere in the world. Um, this is one area where the Norwegians have had have struggled. Um, it's difficult. They, they've not had a lot of success in moving um, into other jurisdictions, other geographies, whereas I think um, Canadians have done much better at that just because, well, we're a lot closer and a lot better aligned, I guess, in, with the Americans particularly. And the other area is South America too. Um, a lot of a lot of work originally, uh, like in the oil patch there was a lot of work with the engineering businesses in, in Calgary that went down to South America as well so Colombia and talks about some of these software companies that have been in Alberta was there as much of a drive you know years ago to go outside a market when there was quote-unquote so much abundance here like I've had companies say well, like you know what? it was just easy to do business here we didn't have to go chase it in other places where now we feel if we're going to survive or thrive we've got to go outside of our borders like we don't have we don't have a choice now where a few years ago it didn't feel as much as a make or break I've certainly had a few guests share that with me. Yeah, I think uh, certainly that's true today. That that is a driver right now because um, you know it's consolidating and, and shrinking in Alberta. Um, but I think there are lots of examples where um, even in in the heyday when things were booming, um, there was uh, enough uh, enough vision to see that you know ultimately you had to go into other other places. Um, a lot of the larger ones, you know, the larger businesses, software businesses um, in in Calgary um, have had uh, private equity funding and uh, um, in some cases uh, Canadian private equity, but in a lot of cases uh, U.S. private equity. And obviously once that happens, uh, perspective changes quite a bit as well. So so immediately and, you know, and they are they are driven to um, focus on larger um uh, addressable markets. I mean, that's so they can grow and then and, and, and then sell, right? So, um, so there's been kind of both, but there's a quite a few. There's quite a class of businesses that have been focused only in a local market, and um, um, so now to move outside of that is a, is a big step. Um, and um, you know what I would suggest is is they if you're in that kind of um, in that situation, what I would suggest is you you have to take um, um, take a, a step towards um, trying to move to a different market. Make it an initiative. It's a term that we use um, where you can adapt your technology um, towards you know um, Americanize it, you know whatever to to, to find a, a new spot a new spot in the world and and try and go after that. And, and especially when you're talking about emissions and things like that, you're obviously going to really have to become an expert on whatever their regulatory environment is because your customers are looking for you to help guide them, right? Especially in that environmental space. Yeah. And certainly that's an area that it's very, very local. So, you know, the, the regulations are almost state specific in the U.S., like California being the one leading it right now. Um, so you're going to have to adopt your technology or software to match the local conditions. Um, I mean, the other, the other pivot, um, that at this point, given, you know, the consolidation that's going on, that needs to happen, I think is you need to look at other, 
um, other maybe uh, more growth areas in, into the future, things like renewables and and some of these other areas. Now, if you if you're doing um, production monitoring in the oil and gas industry, um, there's there's you know, there's technology there. There's analogies there that can be used towards renewables. Um, you know, it can be used in other areas, and you need to start again looking at you know pick a pick a spot where you can see if you can adapt or um, pivot your technology and go after that. Would be um, something that everyone should be thinking about right now. And well, when you talk about ESG, that's not a, that's not oil and gas specific. That's going to blanket across everywhere, everything yeah. from industrial, and yeah. and that seems to be just on kind of a tear right now in terms of importance yeah. and companies putting out their first ESG reports. And certainly in Calgary, I'm seeing more of that floating around, literally in the last 18 months than I've seen that anyone even talked about before. The acronym wasn't even popular a couple months, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's changed quite a bit, and you know, but it tends to be more focused on um, corporate you know sort of call it platform level kind of uh, thinking so you know it's it's all your offices and you know it's your real estate and things like that versus um, what we're we're involved with is you know regulation specifically for um, calculating if you have um, uh, you have to pay a, a carbon tax or you know some some kind of um, monetized uh, emission uh, it's much more specific and and uh, to us that's a much more attractive area well because it's a, I had someone say to me the other day is your startup a vitamin or a prescription because your vitamin you might go take it but a prescription the doctor gives you you're going to go fill it so what I'm hearing is you're looking for software that are much more prescriptive uh, in that way versus a nice to have their have to haves <laughs> fundamentally not to not to oversimplify it but to break it down so from your perspective just simply on bullish bearish you know how do you see or what's your what's your views of opportunities for calgary and you've hinted at it like you know thinking about the next five years i mean you look at this market of saying yeah you know what there's definitely some opportunities here and there's some really good tech or really good people that we can scale is that something that you're positively like always got your eyes on this market here on the for the next future is as, as good as your crystal ball is yeah i i, I think uh with with all the different places I've done business, I mean, the one thing I've always found about um, Calgary and Alberta is is the um, the cult- culture there is quite um, quite advanced in terms of how businesses are run and it serves the people well. There's a, and I see that in 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 the companies that I have. Um, um, it's there's this kind of um, ingrained. Um, um, sort of advanced leadership uh, skill set in the community. So um, and, and it's hard to describe, but basically it's, it's things like um, how leadership teams interact, how they plan or, and how they do strategic planning, how they do kind of development planning. It, uh-huh. it, it's, um, I, I saw it also in the customer base, you know, in, in the uh, in the gas and and, and and chemical companies and and you know they they all had this sort of um, sort of uh, high level skill set around leadership development, you know, um, which serves serves uh, businesses well in terms of um, um, sort of a, a DNA around a good company. So you know, with that in place. And, and if you can pivot um, the expertise you have around energy into some of these other areas, I think there is a future. Um, I th- you know, I think uh, 
the drawback to me, some of the shortcomings are, you know, the size of, of Alberta is quite, you know, relatively speaking, small in the world in terms of people. And, you know, um, you look at uh, like the, the number of graduates and, you know, in Vancouver and Toronto and, and, and Waterloo, I mean, there's, there's the schools are much larger. And so there's, um, um, there's a, the developers and the technology people are kind of attracted to those places. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge um, to keep talent, let's say in Calgary. Now you've got, you know, you've got the Rockies going for you. There's a, you know, there's a lifestyle that's, we've got a good, we've got a pretty good quality of life for sure. And it's uh, last I checked, you can get a home here a little bit, just slightly cheaper than Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to compare those two markets, just head to head. But no, and I've had lots of guests on and the question around how do we attract more talent and how do we, you know, might, you might get somebody here for the first job, but they're going to look beyond and say, well, what's going to come next and where can I go? And is there flexibility? And there's a lot of factors that I know that are going to take years for Calgary to, to get around. And as we move down this path of being a little bit more diversified, specifically from a technology perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a good place. It's a great city. Um, and you know, um, uh, with a, a pretty skilled workforce, so there, you know, with with those ingredients, and you know, the cost structure in Canada is pretty competitive globally. Uh, so, um, so it's a question of leadership, and there's been some pretty good examples. But there's, you know, there's only like you know, less than ten companies that say more than forty or fifty million revenue that kind of spawned up in in. Uh, um, in Alberta, um, you know, versus you know hundreds of them uh, elsewhere. So you have to be pretty, pretty sharp on what what your value proposition is um, to be successful in a very competitive world. But it it, it is there. So I, I appreciate that that as as a as a mic drop moment of you know be very very sharp with your value proposition. <laughs> it can't be general, and you can't kind of wander around around with it because you're right on a global stage. You got a hockey stick and they have a gun. Yeah, Gabe, you dropped a couple of good ones today. I, I, a couple maybe bumper stickers. Don't bring a hockey stick to a gunfight. <laughs> Might be one we'll put out uh, after this episode. <laughs> if, uh, I, no, I really, I do really appreciate your perspectives. From uh, if somebody's you know obviously listening today and they see themselves as potentially either in a position to be acquired or would like to become get involved with you guys or if they aspire to be, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or is it to reach out to you directly? What's the best uh, best path? Yeah, I mean, we're always we're always available for that conversation. Um, certainly, you can you can ping me. We've got a whole team that would you know works on this as well. Um, we're pretty active. I mean, we're talking to everyone. <laughs> and nice. well, uh, deal flow, I'm assuming, is a is a big factor for you guys and always looking at finding who's going to be the next opportunity and who's going to be. And I'm assuming you probably talk to some companies that maybe aren't like, you're not a fit now, but call me in a year. Like, I'm assuming there's always a cycle of, of, of the funnel that's churning. Yeah, that that's typical, actually. Um, I think the average for, for um, all of us is about seven years before it actually happens. And so from the first conversation to, um, in, my, in my case, it's been a little bit different. There's been a few of them that uh, were there prior to my showing up. So I've done a lot in four years, but uh, it, it's, um, it's also, I think, a, a, um, a reason for that is, is we're into an area that a lot of the other constellation people didn't really understand. I mean, this is a new a new front for for the business in this and you know it's my my history with it allowed me to very specifically pick off you know certain types of technologies that might be interesting to acquire and sure enough they were they were available so we in some cases happened pretty quickly 
Um, it sounds but, like it's a very, just sp- speaking to your own journey, it sounds like it, it would be endlessly interesting. Uh, that would be my perspective on your role. Like just nonstop, probably there's not a day goes by you don't encounter or learn or meet somebody or a new perspective. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a incredible learning experience all the time. Uh, you're learning, um, well, one, how to do an acquisition in a, let's say, a very... Um, um, in a very high quality way. Um, second, you're learning about uh, markets. You're learning about uh, people's um, businesses and their and their customers, and you know, um, and it's all over the world. So it's it's uh, you know we've got businesses in the UK, in Norway, um, uh, another business in in India, US, Canada, um, Australia, New Zealand. Malaysia, so it's uh, <laughs> everything from different regulatory environments, different financial environments, yeah. absolutely different cultural environments, which I'm assuming is probably the biggest one to navigate. <laughs> yeah, and you doing, know, doing business in Southeast Asia or doing business in downtown London is, is I've traveled to both those places, not done business there. There was nothing about it that was the same. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they're all different. Um, they're all quite interesting. Um, it, it's surprising how similar they are as well, though. And you know the 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 model, the business model that you know we put together, it, it does apply. Uh, and the best practices, um, it's quite surreal. They're all <laughs> they can be applied in in most places. So you know, it, it, it's something that uh, binds us together, even though it's all over the planet and uh, different cultures, different languages. Um, it's a very interesting business model. I appreciate that, and and it's it still is a bunch of humans at the at the end of the day, and we're unique and different. But there's probably some fundamentals which I, I I appreciate that, especially in the filter of business. Well, Gabe, I really appreciate your perspective today. One, taking the time to chat with me, too, just giving me a chance to learn a little bit more about what you guys what you guys do. And I always value a, a perspective from outside Alberta. It's so easy to talk to each other here and get in our own little echo chamber. That's why we did this version of the show is to bring people that had connection to our market, but yet kind of lived outside the bubble, because you know we can drink our own Kool Aid sometimes, good or bad. We can think things are worse than they maybe are and, and vice versa. When you're in it every day and you hear the news and the, the headlines, you can get a little bit lost in maybe what's actually going on versus what's just the just the headline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've, I, I've always enjoyed uh, Calgary and Edmonton, actually. And, and um, um, I'm looking forward to having the, the opportunity to go back and spend more time there on a regular basis. Yes, being able to, yes, I'm looking. I'm looking. This will this will air in a few weeks, so hopefully the world has opened up a little bit. I don't know. I I don't think we're going to see much action here until until spring, but I got my fingers crossed. It, this 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 do tell do shall pass, as they say. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, by the summer. So yes, I absolutely agree. Gabe, thanks so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you, and uh, best of luck. I look forward to chatting again. Thank you, Tyler. Have a good day. <laughs>